everybody, welcome to the Faith and Fandom Podcast. We are continuing the segment of So I'm Finally Watching The Chosen and picking right off uh, with Season 2. Um, and yeah, just jumping right into Season 2. And I this is one of those situations like Doctor Who and you know Luther and Sherlock and stuff where I start to feel for the people that actually watch this stuff episode to episode. Because I know it must feel like it takes forever for this stuff to come out. Um, but yeah, jumping right into season two. Um, just some notes that I took as we went along through that. Uh, season two for me, I thought started out really on an interesting note of uh, John compiling his notes for the gospel. And... Um, it was a neat reminder as well. I thought it was on a writing standpoint. I thought it was a dope way to reintroduce uh, the characters on a little deeper level and kind of give us more foreshadowing of where everything goes. So I think uh, having them do a retrospective and give their testimony and tell their stories and stuff, I thought that was a really, um, I thought that was a really neat way to handle like refreshing everybody for the time gap that transpired between season one and season two. Um, and you know, as John was taking notes, it was just, you know, even before it was even really getting deep in there. Um, I thought it was pretty, pretty just interesting of everybody's response to writing it all down and how they are functioning after the fact. And, it was just, it really did have that feeling of you're at a funeral, um, and everybody's, everybody's just trying to figure out how they're responding to it. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um, John's process of just taking everything in versus, you know, Matthew, when Matthew said that his would be more precise and everybody's like, yeah, we know. Um, but again, I just really do think it's been a really neat adventure of just seeing, I think Matthew, just the stuff they've done with Matthew has been, for the most part, my favorite part of all of this. Um, you know, I'm not that many episodes deep, but I just I just think it's really neat. Um, and I personally, you know, being someone that works with scripture on a daily and weekly basis, have always had this opinion that John thought very highly of himself and that he really spent a lot of time flexing his relationship with Jesus and the fact that he referred to himself as the one that, as the disciple that Jesus loved. And so when they made that statement where John um, uh, says the, I'm the one he loved and somebody responded, well, he loved all of you. You just talk about it more than everybody else, or you talk about it more often. Um, and I just, I thought that was, I, I felt vindicated in my spirit as a minister and everything else. The fact that I truly felt like, I was like, thank you. I'm not the only person that sees this. Um, now, that being aside, I really do enjoy John and Mary's relationship. Um, the mother-son thing. Because, you know, we get that statement where Jesus tells them, you know, this is your mom now, this is your son. But for him... To actually get to see it play out a little bit, um, that's really nice to me. And I really did appreciate that. Um, uh, and one of the statements that, uh, you know, fictional Jesus in this made, uh, 
I ask a lot of those who follow me. I ask little of those who do not. Man, I'm telling you, because as a, uh, one of the things that I've seen so often, it's so easy for church people to judge non-church people, non-Christians, um, for not being Christ-like. I was like, you can't expect somebody that doesn't follow Jesus to live like Jesus. It just doesn't work that way. You can't expect somebody that doesn't follow Christ to actually live Christ-like. And, but that statement, I ask a lot of those who follow me, I ask a little of those who do not, um, But yeah, just bones will break. And one of the other statements, just bones will break. Or bones will break, hearts break. But in the end, light overcomes the darkness. And just, there's just really something about the way they put the story together that makes me um, just genuinely grateful um, for how they do this, for how this do this. And in fact, they're asking for the stories and... um, Oh, it's, yeah, going back, that's the dealing with the the man that would become uh, the would-be assailant in the story of the Good Samaritan. Man, the way they did that man's story um, was just so beautiful. And I know that that got, you know, that was a parable that Jesus told. But, like, giving flesh and bone to that dude and him spending time with them. And, you know, really, also, the racial tension and the holier-than-thou attitude of... Uh, James and John was a lot. Um, like I felt like those dudes could have been in a time to kill, uh, just for how, uh, saucy and snarky, um, they were. Um, but I really also really loved Jesus bringing them down a notch and also reminded that Jesus could probably bring all of us down a few notches as well. Um, but, uh, I mean, that one phrase, our stories connect us. Tell me your story. Um, you know, I, I love that Jesus, uh, connects with people the way he does in this. And also, I mean, all of these things, you know, I know this is a fictionalized account, but one of the things that I really do, it just like, it helps me have a better perspective on all of actual scripture because it makes me think about stuff I didn't think about before. Um, and, oh man, the one phrase of, um, or just the way that they start their days with prayer um, that like wherever they're, if they're laying in a bed or on the ground or whatever that they wake up and the first thing, um, they do is start their day off with prayer. And, um, like one of the pastors that I've worked with over the years, you know, used to, um, make a big point that you start your prayers before your feet hit the floor and, you know, seeing it and put it in action like this, I just thought was really, really well done. Um, and this one of the other phrases that really jumped out at me, and this was like, you know, plant seeds, not burn bridges. Um, and, oh man, I just, I really like the relational aspect of what they did with the first episode between the dude from the, the, the dude from the Good Samaritan, James, John, just what they did. And, um, it made me giggle that, uh, uh, that Jesus was saying that creation was a favorite memory of his. Um, but John learning humility really was a big deal. Um, but but I think the thing that just wrecked me, like literally had me like on the floor was, uh, when Jesus made the statement of, with the, the guy from the Good Samaritan story of, uh, you know, you never know what kind of dangerous people are out there in the dark and, you know, and the dude just looked so hurt and so offended for a split second and Jesus went too soon. Like, 
the idea of Jesus being playfully joking and knowing the heart of us, even to the point of the humor, man, I just, I like that a lot. Um, I like that a lot. Then, uh, episode two kicks in of this season and we get Philip. And let me just say, Philip, like, I, I like the way they've dealt with Matthew, uh, as a character more than anything, but like, I would, I would get lunch with Philip. I would hang out with Philip. I would want to go on the road with Philip so far. Um, Philip's vibe of, it just seems like Philip is so much further ahead of these guys. And obviously if he's been John the Baptist disciple, you know, he's going to be a little bit further, but man, uh, uh, I just really, really like the way they have Philip together and that, um, you know, that he's letting them know that it's going to be a different game. You know, as Jesus made that statement earlier on, uh, you know, expect different um, or get used to different. You know, Philip just reminding them this is going to be a different game and that they're there not just to uh, that the way he refers to them. And he's like that they've they're awake. They've woke up. Um, and oh man, the one way that he phrased that he's like he asking him is like, have you found any relief anywhere in the world outside of him, um, you know, don't expect to. And that's just a good reminder to all of us. Like if we, if we're expecting to find true relief anywhere outside of this world, other than Jesus, we're going to be disappointed. And I think that was just a really good reminder. And, uh, to me, uh, Philip, as he's interacting with all of the disciples early on, gives me a Morpheus vibe from the matrix. Like he knows what they don't know, and he's there. He's trying to subtly help them along with that. Um, and you know Peter's argument on structure, you know, you know the things that they all agree that Peter wants. Um, Peter wants to be you know authority. Peter wants them to deal with how they handle disagreements and stuff like that. And Y'all, we all clamor so heavily just for a place to have a position of authority. And that's something God's been reminding me over and over recently is um, if you have to have a title to serve, you're not serving God. You're serving yourself. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, just, I really like that. Um, and when it is dealing with Nathaniel with the rabbit and um, when he when he finally sees him, there it is. Um, like when he finally clicks with him um, uh, about the tree, like when he was telling him uh, when it was just when he was waiting on him to actually come to the full conclusion of who he was and where Jesus goes. There it is. To me, that gave me a very strong um, vibe of the doctor uh, waiting on people to come to the idea of it's bigger on the inside. Um, you know, he just kind of waits for that. Uh, you know, Jesus waiting for him to come to the realization of who he truly was and all that he was doing. Um, man, it, uh, that, there it is. Like, I, I think there's so many of those moments in my life where God's just like literally patiently watched me falter and grope and stumble around to try and find truth and then like when i finally get he goes there it is good job um but also i thought the way they handled his story um was really good too of 
just showing what it looks like for somebody to feel like they've been abandoned and for him to say that thing of like, dude, I saw you under the tree. Um, because, you know, I knew that reference and I knew where they were going with that story as soon as like they started really talking, but like the way they played it out, um, made it more real and personable and made me feel much more connected to them in that capacity with that. Um, but yeah, I just think that was a big deal for me as well. And then on to episode three, a couple other things just want to point out as a note. Um, somebody having a wheelbarrow carrying all the stuff around, I think that's genius because it makes so much sense. And the fact they have to set up camp every night and everything, y'all, that's stuff that I've just never thought of. I've been through Bible college and been pastoral ministry for decades and you know, I've taught the Bible forever. I never thought about them making camp, like ever. Never thought about that. Never thought about like what. It looked. And the fact that it shows them brushing their teeth with like sticks and stuff. And I'm like, man, just straight up, never really thought about that. And uh, and I know I'm jumping to the end of episode three, but the end of episode three with Jesus coming in from a very very long day of preaching and healing and ministering. To the point where he's so exhausted that he just like walks past everybody, says goodnight, and lays down. And like his mom comes to take him here. Dude, I feel that in my soul. And seeing Jesus tired like that, it's like I feel connected. I feel like, yes, I feel that to my heart. Um, then discussing fame um, and notoriety and stuff like that as they're realizing that this could be a big thing. It seems like a conversation that really would happen, and especially when you read through scripture about James and John stuff, it's it's a thing. But also, y'all, do you really think you know? We think about Jesus accepting all of these guys to come into the fold at once and just calling them. But you know, the rest of these dudes, they come from a lot of different backgrounds, and I'd never really thought about real deep infighting with the disciples like that. But it makes a lot of sense they would have infighting, especially with the different backgrounds, different careers, and stuff like that. Um, and again, Philip is just that G. Philip is the gangster of gangsters. So far, uh, three episodes deep, I really like Philip. Um, or two episodes deep, I really like Philip. Um, I love that the uh, this episode of episode three was primarily shot at dusk or twilight for the most part of it. It just has a really good mood and vibe of, you know, you know, it's getting late. Um, it makes me think recently of the movie Nope that where Jordan Peele uh, filmed the entire thing in the daylight and then just used computer effects to make it look like it was nighttime. But knowing these people didn't have that kind of budget and they really had to film this at night, you know, makes a big difference. Um, and uh, just also to say this, like... I don't know when it clicked in my head, but it was somewhere around the beginning of season two that I realized that this isn't a show about Jesus. This is a show about the disciples. That's why it's called The Chosen, because it's about the disciples, not about Jesus. It's like Jesus is the special character, the the special guest that pops up in these things. And um, yeah, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm dense. I just never really clicked before that that's what this was about. Um and I know that like there's a whole season past where I'm at right now, and but I'll say this: it's like I enjoy the effect of this show on my life and my faith and my how encouraging it has been to me. And uh, I hope that you know if you're checking it out that you would 
be equally encouraged with it as well. I still got a little bit more to go in season two, but I just wanted to chime in with three episodes under my belt of season two and say that um, I'm really grateful that it carried its its heart and it doesn't feel lost. And also um, the fact that, you know, one of the things it points out with this season is that not all of them have the same uh, spiritual education background and that, you know, it would be harder for some of the women to learn and it would be harder for people like Matthew to learn because they didn't go through the same process. It's just, it's adding good layers that help me have a deeper understanding um, and desire to understand and empathize with the ones that came before me and the ones that actually followed physically with Jesus. So it's just really cool. So yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you have some commentary, some ideas, some thoughts, I'd love to hear them. You can hit me up, uh, on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can give it a shot on Twitter. I've opened a discord now. So faith and fandom has a discord. And, um, so if you want to talk or chat about this, hit me up. If you're listening to this on a medium other than Podbean, I don't know that I'm going to hear it or, or see your comments if you comment there because I don't see the comments on iTunes and Spotify and such. But uh, if you have a comment or idea, you can shoot hit me up at any of those places or you can hit me at uh, faithandfandom at gmail.com. Um, I'd like to thank our Patreon supporters. Y'all help make all the costs of this ministry functional and viable. And um, yeah, I just appreciate y'all. I hope you have a great day, and I'll be back once my family has enough time to all sit down at the couch and watch a couple more episodes of this show. Have a great day. Mm